seated. Well, praise the Lord. I think I have a new favorite song, Rise Up, right? That's good, real good. I love those songs. I love Surely God is With Us. I love them all because they tell a message about who Jesus is. And when I think of Surely God is With Us, it's a song written by Rich Mullins. He reminds me that, you know, Jesus came for people like me and you, right? And God is with us when we receive him. Well, it's been a crazy week. Uh, My family and I had some uh, difficult news. Um, Appreciate your all's prayers. I didn't mean to get up here and start whimpering like this. Um, I ask that you all continue to pray for our family. Life is difficult, and we need Jesus. And I don't know if that is something that someone needs to hear today. I know I do. And this is why we serve him. Because we believe that he is going to make everything right eventually. So y'all keep praying for our kids and um, our baby. And we'd appreciate it. If you have your Bibles, I feel like I'm at a funeral all of a sudden. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And um, I'm going to talk to you about being like-minded in Jesus Christ. And it's a, this is a topic that honestly is something that the American church has to rediscover. Um, because, you know, I can think of times where I've thought, boy, wouldn't it be awesome if the churches in our community ever just got together? Um, It's crazy. I suspect that maybe it's because we're not all like-minded. And the only reason I'm saying that, I don't want you all to think that maybe I'm being judgmental, but the only reason I'm saying this is because when I think about the idea of we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, That's who we serve, amen? We serve him. He's the head, isn't he? And so we are about his business, and his business is rescuing those who are perishing. That's what he does. And I've used to think, boy, wouldn't it be something if we could just get all of our churches together and have a vacation Bible school where we just pool our resources and we go into a neutral location And we just start reaching out to these kids who probably, the only time they hear about Jesus Christ is going to be maybe in a moment like that. And that used to stand out to me. I used to think this when we would talk about teens. You know, teens have to face so many different things in school. And I just thought, you know, what if we just all united and we were taking the message, the most basic message that Jesus Christ is the Savior, and He wants to save not just your soul, but He wants to turn your life around right where you're at. Because you know, I've always said this, all the kids, they think their destiny is set right now. They think that what they're experiencing, this is exactly the way it's going to be. And the problem is, is that we can't do it. And I'm not real sure why, because I know that before Jesus went to the cross, I know that in John chapter 17, he prayed on his hands and knees for all of those who were going to follow him. And he asked that we would be one. And so, 
not only did he pray for that, but he also said to the disciples in particular, especially John chapter 14 and 15, he said, you know what? I'm going to help you become rightly connected in the vine. I'm going to, my father and I, we're going to send you a counselor, someone to be with you. And so, why the church just is off in different directions in this day and age, I, for the life of me, I can't understand it. Because this isn't what Jesus had envisioned. And so, we just went through a political season like we've never seen in our lifetime, did we not? I mean, this has just been unreal. Now, I can get that we're going to have politics, and politics are going to be one thing, but when I start seeing the church, the church being different about things, uh, trying to redefine what real peace is, uh, in fact, maybe saying like, for instance, redefining marriage or redefining certain types of sin, those are things that are difficult to watch because my thinking is, when I hear that, is how is it that someone is over here and apparently I'm over here? And why are we not closer together in what we say? Then we've seen people this last year, and I've said this before, who wanted to say abortion was okay. Well, you certainly know that's not a political topic. That's a moral topic. That's something that I don't see Jesus Christ being in. And I suspect it's because somehow we Christians are no longer like-minded. How this is happening, I don't know. But I know this, that if I'm concerned about what the afterlife looks like, and if I'm concerned about whether or not God is going to be with me, I want to make sure that I'm being like-minded with Jesus Christ. It's just astounding when I see people who discount all of this stuff. And it's happening right in the church. So last week, what I told you in 1 Corinthians, we, we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I, I, I entitled this sermon, For the Sake of Christ, because I'm going to let you in on a secret. Right now, the way it's looking, I'm going to try to go through chapters 1 through 7. And if I just stop it in chapters 1 through 7, I'm going to tell you what the theme is. It's going to be along these lines. Why not rather be wronged for the sake of Jesus Christ? Okay? So if you go home and you read chapters 1 through 7 of 1 Corinthians, you should see that theme immediately. Why not just rather be wronged for the sake of Jesus Christ? Because if we're like-minded, we are like-minded with Jesus Christ, that means that Jesus, who of no fault of his own, was put on the cross on our behalf, right? We all get this. Why not just be rather, wrong, be rather be wronged for the sake of Jesus? And so Paul was talking about this. He also said in chapter 1, he was talking about the divisions that were taking place in the church. He said, look, this is not good. We're supposed to be united. I'm obviously paraphrasing. But he said, some of you are saying, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul, I follow Peter, I follow Jesus. And there were different factions within the church. And if you think about it, it would make sense because when we talk about how the church can be in different, having different perspectives about different issues in our society today, you can see that it's 
generally going to come back to somebody is following someone who is a great speaker or somebody who is a great thinker, whatever it may be. These are the people that will be cited when they start talking to you about how we should maybe redefine marriage. And so these are the things that are happening in our church world today. This should not be happening because we should be like-minded with Jesus Christ. Because remember, there's a great, there are great, three great chapters in John 14, 15, 16, and I guess if I add one more, 17, that actually means it's four, not three. I, I always had trouble. If I can't spell math, you know what? I mean, that's the problem. I'm just, I'm more English in history, so I apologize for that. But I tell you, that's where the chapters are that we would maybe have as a touchstone where we should be like-minded with Jesus. Then Paul was even talking about the idea of, you know, that the church had spiritual gifts within it. The church was very spiritual. They were doing a great job. But remember, underlying all of the knowledge and the great speaking that was taking place in the church of Corinth was this issue, was that people were not like-minded. So now... If you want to take a look, you could look at verse 18 of chapter 1 to the end of the chapter. If you want to tune out and you want some more introduction to what we're going to be talking about, but we're going to look at chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 16. It's a little bit of a chunk of Scripture, but I want you to hear from Jesus, right? I want you to hear from the Apostle Paul who's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit Reading, writing to the church of Corinth, and this is what it says. Verse 1, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age, or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. 
The person without the Spirit, you should highlight this, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is interesting because what Paul's doing right now, I'm just going to alert you to this. He is writing to Christians. I just told you to highlight some stuff. He's writing to people who are believers in Jesus Christ. If I'm someone who wants to know what's important about pleasing Jesus Christ, this is where I'm going to tune in because I'm going to realize that if Paul is writing something about the Holy Spirit to the church, this isn't for the world. He's saying, in essence, that you have received the Holy Spirit, and this is going to be a hub, a touch, a touch base, a touchstone, if you will, for a couple of chapters. The Spirit, the Spirit of God is in those who have received him. We'll talk about that in a minute. First thing I want you to see this morning is this. Those who are like-minded with Christ recognize his crucifixion and its power. So this, is, this seems like elementary stuff, but it has to be revisited. So what I've noticed is in the American church, we're not talking so much about this. So when you go back to what the Apostle Paul says, Paul says, listen, when I came to you and I gave to you the message of who Jesus Christ is I, and, and that he was crucified, I resolved to know nothing among you except these two things. In other words, what Paul was saying is, I came to you with one thing to tell you, that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. There is no other God. I came to you to let you know that I have had an experience with him, the risen Savior on the Damascus Road. Now, what I loved about that song, Rise Up, this morning, is that if you think about what we sang, the people who recognize, because God's grace is so absolutely amazing. The people that that song is about, someone like me, we are the people who understand that not only were we deserving of God's judgment upon us, but we can't believe that he'd even actually roll a stone away for us so that we could have grace from him. And here's the flip side. We've been so bad, like the Apostle Paul, that someone who is not connected to Jesus Christ, who is not like-minded with Jesus Christ, is going to say, well, if those people are being saved, I want nothing to do with that God because they're so rotten. Yet here I am and praise the Lord. You see, this is once unusual about Jesus Christ, isn't it? This right here, 
This is what separates him from any other God that's ever been in existence, is that he wants to have a relationship with those who hate him. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Those who would actually fight against him, Jesus wants to have that relationship with them. So Paul is actually telling the church in Corinth, this God that I am serving, I once was trying to murder everyone who was associated with him, and he gave me grace. And not only did he give me grace, but he's actually using me to be able to give grace to others. So Paul now is saying, here's this Jesus I'm talking about. Don't get off topic, church at Corinth. Because you need to talk about Jesus. But if that wasn't enough, you know what else he's talking about? He's saying, you know, this same God who wanted nothing but to have a healthy relationship with me actually was put to death for no sin of his own. He did nothing to deserve to be put on a cross, and yet people put him on the cross. You know, several years ago, I had a boss tell me one time while I was at work, I was a youth pastor, and soon as, you know, as soon as I got into youth ministry, I started getting all of these spiritual questions. And probably, if I had 100 questions, I might have answered two right. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? I mean, I didn't know what I was talking about. I was just trying to make stuff up half time just to, to make sure everybody understood that the Lord is good. And so the boss would say to me, look, you know, I understand what my preacher preached. My wife, his wife was telling him, her preacher said that everybody is entitled to grace. And he said, but I don't understand this. It makes no sense to me because if somebody's done something so vile, they should have to pay the price. He was of the mindset that you should be able to do three good things to one good thing and then by, or one bad thing, I should say, and then therefore you should be able to be able to go into heaven because you've been more good than you were bad. And so it just seemed like foolishness. But you remember at the end of chapter one of 1 Corinthians, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So what I've said to you is that those who are like-minded with Jesus are going to understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him might have everlasting life. We get that. Those who are like-minded understand that. This is the thing that makes us different. But those who are not like-minded disagree with all of that. Let's move on. I want you to see the next thing. Those who are like-minded with Christ do not follow popular wisdom. Sometimes I call this pop theology. In other words, it's kind of like pop music, isn't it? Like all of a sudden, you know, I still can't believe 70s and 80s rock and roll is not at the forefront anymore. I, I feel like it's a travesty. I think that that's probably what's wrong with the generations that's been coming after us. They don't listen to the good music anymore. And, it's, and I think I can make a real good case about that. But here's the thing. It was a flash in the pan, wasn't it? And then all of a sudden you had grunge rock come on. I'll never forget when it put the hairband stuff to death. I was like, what in the world is this? And then I ended up liking it. But it's pop. 
It's coming along. It's a fad. And so those who are like-minded do not follow popular wisdom, then the wisdom of the moment, if you will, the wisdom that is coming into the world right now, where this is actually dividing the churches. Not only churches, but it's actually dividing Christians. Because now we're redefining sin and we're trying to redefine how you get peace. You only get peace through believing in Jesus Christ, receiving him as your Lord and Savior, and then by obeying his commands. Because if I'm going to be righteous, which actually brings peace, righteousness brings peace, if I'm going to have peace, I have to be righteous, which means that I need to do right by my God and my neighbor, even if they're my enemies. So we're redefining all of this. And right now you have people in the political realm who are clearly, and I would even say, maybe with both extremes and both parties, are just off the chart, nowhere near where Jesus Christ is. And isn't this what Paul says? Paul said that the wisdom of this age is coming to nothing along with the leaders of this age. Because it's a flash in the pan. Very, not very shortly, I should say. It's going to be the wisdom of this age is going to be right alongside the Glenn Miller Band music era, right? That's actually obsolete now. Because it's coming to nothing. And so Paul said, you know what? That if the leaders would have understood real wisdom, they would not have crucified the Son of God. And they did. And you know who is a part of that at the time? The people who had the Word of God within their hands. Of course, the Roman government was, in part, was a part of it because the Roman government would say, this is foolishness. Remember, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. God's wisdom, by the way, is going to be this, that you love him and you love your neighbors and everyone that sees you do this is going to scratch their head because you don't make any sense. Because Paul said, you've been given the spirit of God, not the spirit of the world. Because those who follow human wisdom, which is what you're going to find on CNN or Fox News, those who are buying into that are going to find that it's coming to nothing. They're going to find that the real wisdom is following Jesus Christ. So those who are like-minded in the church, we're keeping the main thing the main thing. This is what we do. So then I go back to, I'm like Paul then, right? This is where I have to be. I wish I was truly like Paul, but this is what I know. I have to go back to this, that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. He loves the world, even though the world does not love him, and he wants to give grace to the world through me and through us. But yet he was crucified by the world. But because we're like-minded with Jesus Christ, we continue the mission 
to give grace to the world. This is what we do. Are you starting to see a little bit why churches can't get together, though? It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes when I hear kids, they're telling me the politics of the church. It's interesting because we're not keeping the main thing the main thing. Let's look a little bit deeper into this and see why. Those who are like-minded with Christ, let the Spirit dwell within. This is interesting. I told you to highlight something, didn't I? I said you should highlight that because it says the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. It's interesting. Have you ever watched Christians fight over um, how to win people to Jesus? Uh, Sometimes we think that we just throw the church under the bus. We start making fun of the church, calling the church out, and then we, we say the church stinks because all the other churches stink. Come to my church because then all of a sudden, now you'll find the right church. Sounds a little bit like marketing, doesn't it? Um, but this is what we do because we're not being like-minded, and I think I just read something to you that might say something that you should be aware of. Apparently, if Paul's writing to Christians, quote, quote, if he's writing to believers who are assembling together and he is saying stuff like this, and by the way, there are divisions within that church because they're fighting amongst themselves, then what he might be saying is that although you believe in Jesus Christ, you may not have the Spirit of God. Because worldly wisdom is the wisdom that says, you have your rights. You have your rights. You can't let someone wrong you. You've got to stand up for your right. But remember what I said the theme was? All the way from chapter 1 to 7? Why not rather be wronged for the sake of Jesus Christ? We've got believers who are more concerned about fulfilling their rights rather than fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ. That would say we're not being like-minded. We see them every day. We see them on Facebook. I like what Tom Harding said one day. It was at camp meeting. He said, it's the Facebook God that everybody serves, right? You know, Everybody's got a perspective about who God is. Well, how do you know who's right and who's wrong? You should be like-minded with Christ and be able to figure it out, right? You should be able to know who's right and who's wrong because apparently if you've received the Holy Spirit, then you're going to be like-minded with Jesus Christ and you will know the truth. It's quite a thing. You know, it hasn't been that long ago. I think I shared this maybe last week because I can't remember. I'm going to apologize to you if you've heard this already. But I can remember my neighbor in Indiana. We had a bit of a dispute between us. And I remember the day that he moved in. He had a license plate on his truck. It's about him being a Christian. 
I was like, all right. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, yeah, we got a Christian next to us. It's going to be a great place to live now. Everything's going to go right. It's going to be pie in the sky. Whew. Whoa. That's been, that was a terrible thing. That was a terrible time in my life living with, next to that person. And I remember one day I said, you know something? What we need to do to, to, to resolve this between us is I'll have a couple people from my church and you get a couple people from your church and let's just let them sit down and we'll just let them resolve this for us and we'll just go on happily ever after. Let's do it that way. He wouldn't do it. Now, I'm not going to say who's right and who's wrong, but I can tell you people weren't being like-minded with Christ, were they? Because why? Why not? Wouldn't we just rather be wrong for the sake of Jesus Christ? I know from my perspective, I was like, I demand my rights. I demand my rights. He was doing the same thing. You know what happened? Instead of talking about Jesus Christ and the Lord crucified for our sin, because we're believers, you know what we did? Both of us. We actually crucified Jesus Christ again publicly. You see how this works? Because when God's people who are enlightened with the Holy Spirit, who know what is expected of them, when we do not obey the Lord and display the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit who knows the mind of God, who dwells within us, who then tells us how to think God's thoughts after God, when we do not obey Him, you know what we're doing? We're crucifying the Son of God again. That's what we're doing. Look at Hebrews. It's interesting what Paul's saying in this introduction of his. The church at Corinth has everything, if you go back to the first chapter, has everything within it that they need. All the spiritual gifts, all of the knowledge, all of the great speaking skills, all of these things that they would need to be able to move forward the kingdom of God. But there's one problem. Apparently, not everyone wants to obey the Holy Spirit. You're seeing it in our world today. You know something? I know that there are times in my life when I try to reason with people if there's something that's in my life that maybe they see one way and I see a different way. I know it's hard to believe you would think I can get along with everybody. I know. Uh, but, you know, I, I can't help it. I, some, I mean, I, I, I told someone this morning, I'm more of an acquired taste. I'm, you just learn to like me. You don't like me right away. You just learn to like me. But here's the thing. What I've noticed is why people can't get together is because generally they're operating from two different value systems. If your value system isn't rooted in God's kingdom because of the Holy Spirit, you're never going to come to a compromise that's healthy with someone who's operating from the world perspective. If their value system is me first, can I tell you something? They're not going to agree with anything you say because 
anything you say is going to be foolishness to them. But yet we serve the God of peace, don't we? You know what I think we need to do? I think that each one of us, we need to take time in our personal lives and we need to sit down and think through what it means that the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ, gave his life for our sin. And we do this once a month when we take communion, and we usually take a moment and we remember that we have life because the Son of God gave his life so that we might have life, right? We take time and we remember the suffering of what he did on our behalf on the cross. We take time for that. But I think it would be great if we took time in our personal lives and we thought about that because if you're struggling with um, spiritual depression, for instance, you know what? This might be a good exercise for you because what then happens is you're reminding yourself of the value that God has for each of us, right? Including you, including me. God values us. And what that does is that helps me to understand that his grace is there to help me, to complete me, to fulfill me, but also to rightly connect me to my brothers and sisters in Christ and to him. The Holy Spirit will do this. I also think that maybe if you're struggling right now, because maybe it could be, it happens sometimes, even if you have the Spirit of God inside of you, it could be that maybe he's been kind of getting pushed back and the worldliness is coming forward because, remember what I said, we watched two news sources, it seems like, and we're listening to mere human wisdom on a regular basis. Can I tell you, maybe it's time to shut the TV off? I have to. I just can't do it anymore sometimes. Time to shut the TV off and try to understand what it means to love my God and my neighbor in this world that's ever-changing. It's still the mandate, isn't it? It is still his mandate. You know, we're going to make disciples like that. But here's this. If you believe that your mind hasn't been like-minded with Jesus Christ, invite the Holy Spirit into your life. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life. If you'll do that, you will become like-minded with Jesus because he will search the innermost depths of your heart. He will bring to your understanding things that you need to work on in your life you may feel bad about it and that is normal because he's doing work inside of you but here's the thing you need to check whether or not he's working within you by reading in the god in god's word and then also by the assurance and the uh, testimony that he gives you that he is within you read god's word spend time in it learn from him because I'm going to tell you something, right now, Christians aren't united, and you have to be able to decipher who has the mind of Christ. Who do you want to listen to? If you don't do this, that's when we become like Paul. 
when he says, well, some of you are following me, some of you are following Peter, some of you are following Apollos, but we all need to follow Jesus Christ. I can imagine if churches would unite and if they would do this, you know what would happen? Man, people wouldn't miss who Jesus Christ is anymore. They wouldn't. Can you imagine just if congregations united? Man, peace would reign no matter what comes. You know we need each other, right? Just like I said when I started, I said, you know what? I need you all to pray for my family. Remember that? Because we need you. Peace would reign if we can be like-minded with Christ if we're full of the Spirit. So right now, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't know where you're at this morning, but if you're a believer this morning, and you feel like you haven't received the Holy Spirit, invite Him in. Invite Him in. But if you don't know Christ, and you're not a believer, then you need to invite Him in. Because Jesus, the Son of God, wants to save you. He wants to turn your life around. And He's going to do that by filling you with the Spirit so that you can think Christ's thoughts after Him so you'll be like-minded. If you're not like-minded with Jesus, ask Him to help you right now. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now where you have noticed, Lord, how important it is that we are assured of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives within us, Lord, so that we could be like-minded and have the mind of Jesus Christ in us. Lord, that's what defines us as a people. That's what defines us as church, Lord. That's why we exist, is so that we can be different from the world. We don't have to be locked into that world that wants to crucify everybody and make everybody pay for their sin. But Lord, this is a place where we're finding grace through Jesus Christ. No matter what happens in our lives, Lord, help us to be those people. Now, Father, I pray if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that's struggling with anything I've said, I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would clear all this up, that they would read their word for themselves, Lord, so that we can be more like Jesus more like-minded like Him. Father, I pray that you go with us now and keep us safe. Help us to take this truth and dwell on it throughout our work day and maybe even share it with those who need to know. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen.